following discussion is not necessarily the views of all involved. The goal is to start open and honest discussion in a Christian worldview. Like all things, weigh what you hear with what you know and join us in our pursuit for the truth. Enjoy the podcast. Oh, I 100% agree. Really? Absolutely. I don't think you do. Are you saying angels don't reproduce? I, that's nothing to do with that. I don't know if I just outed myself as the most liberal person here. Oh no, I'm losing it. I had the I had the Paul moment and now it's going away. Oh no. It's we're just too close to heresy that I can't say it online. Can't say heresy on the internet. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, I'd like to welcome everyone to the Second Rate Saints uh, podcast. This is a continuation of our Genesis uh, discussion. This time we're just covering the first creation account, so Genesis 1 to 2-4a, or sometimes just 2-3, depending on how you, you look at things. Um, I'm your producer, Caleb. To my left is... I'm Joel, and to my left is... Colton. And to my left... Uh, Josh, I'm staring at a key right now. To my left is Caleb. Ah, we're back around. <laughs> um, and so normally we get to do a little segment of what have you read, and Joel was going to do that, however... His book today is John Walton's Lost World of Genesis 1, which is, like, on the nose. Yeah, it's a little much to just go right into the topic yeah. based on the what you read. Yeah. So we're gonna we're just going to work that into what we're talking about, because obviously it does. Um, now, we're going we're gonna to have an approach where we Josh is going to go over it as a whole, kind of go through the steps. He's not going to read the whole thing, but just mm-hmm. summarize it going through. Um, and then we're going to go through, we have a little topics that we're going to hit on. We're going to zoom in, discuss it, zoom out, zoom back in, discuss it, zoom out. And because Genesis is such a hotly debated topic, a lot of people have their opinions, even in this room, and it can get sometimes... Uh, That's not pointed we're gonna at fight. all. <laughs> <laughs> so basically, if, if someone's going on a tangent, two guys are at it, but we're running out of time... I'll interrupt or someone will interrupt and go, hey, um, we need to we need to move along. And so if it's a little abrupt transition every now and then, forgive us. Um, we are going to try to keep it in about an hour and a half, not, you know, all afternoon. Four hours. Yeah. Yeah. Um, even though theologians discuss for much longer than this. Oh, yeah. Um, Josh, take it away. What is, give me an outline of Genesis 1. Okay. Well, it just so happens that in the beginning... God created the heavens and the earth. Wow. Um, it's uh, described as formless and void. Darkness is over the face of the deep. I'm just reading the first part. Um, the spirit of God is over the waters. And then God says, let there be light. He creates light. Night and day says it's good. End of the first day. On the second day, God says, let there be an expand." He separates the waters above from the waters below. Um creating the sky in the middle um on says it's good on the third day god separates the waters from the land the earth gathers the land together calls the waters around the land sea and then the land earth um says it's good on day four sorry day three both of those happen on day two it's okay yeah carry on yeah um Oh, sorry. Yeah, on the land, he sprouts vegetation on the land. Sorry, that's day three. Um, uh, he does that. All the fruit plants, the trees, the shrubs, ginormous trees, they all grow on the land with the land when it appears. Um, so that's that's the third day. So you've got 
light separated from darkness, water separated from the waters, and then the land separated from the waters and plant life forms. Then on the fourth day, you've got the sun, moon, and stars appear. Fourth day ends, God's happy. On the fifth day, um, the birds swarm the skies um, and the fish in the seas. The fifth day ends, God's happy. He says it's good. Uh, God says on the sixth day, let there be all the creatures and the livestock and the beasts of the field and the bugs on the land. Um, and then as a separate tangent, he says, let us make man in, the, in our image and in our likeness um, and gives them dominion over the creation. Um, he creates them specifically with this three line piece. It's a little bit of a chiasm. God created the man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Uh, God blesses them, tells them to be fruitful and multiply. He says, behold, I've given you every fruit um, tree, everything to eat, but don't eat. And that's, that's, that's number two. Yeah. He just says. You just want to keep going. Yeah. Just says, <laughs> give them all the fruit trees, and then doesn't tell them about the big one. Um, and then the sixth day ends, and then the seventh day starts. God has finished all that he has made, and he rests. And then it ends with, these are the generations of the heavens and the earth when they were created. And markedly, day seven doesn't end. And day seven doesn't end. Hmm. Interesting theological note there. That'll be a fun tool for later. Uh, <laughs> that's a surprise that's a fun tool. conversation, yeah. yeah. Um, thank you, Josh. So, um, as people have argued for a long time, these are days. Yes. Are these 24-hour periods? Are these eras? These 24-hour periods starting out strong there, Caleb. I don't know, man. This is one of those <laughs> things, okay, to be honest with you, because I take a, to Colton's dismay sometimes, what? a more, <laughs> shall we say, poetic approach. Liberal approach? No, yeah. sorry. Yeah, no, it, yeah. no, it's fine. I'm, I'm okay. I'm a, liber I'm a liberal. Um, <laughs> Function over form? Yes. Wow, Josh has got the words. Um, I'll normally just be like, yeah, it's fine if it's talking about a 24-hour day. It just, I don't know. I don't know if it happened. That's my whole thing. Right. And so do you think, like, in this text, is it meant to be 24-hour day? Does it care? What are your guys' thoughts? Tell me, Joel. So the first thing we're tackling is if it's a 24-hour day? <laughs> um, <laughs> okay. I don't think that there's any reason to believe it's a 24-hour day. The day, the word day. Yeah, wonderful. It's one word. And uh, it yeah. doesn't... I mean, I know it's reoccurring. I know it's supposed to, to segment into different parts. There was evening and there was morning. But the fact that there's nothing to separate the day from the night until day four is confusing to me. Sure. Um, on top of that, the only horrible proof texting I've heard is like, oh, a thousand years is like a day and then we can make it longer days. And it's like, I guess it could have been 24 hours. I don't think it has to be. I don't even think that's necessarily what the text is going for. Oh, I 100% agree. R really? Absolutely. I don't think you I do. am not a young earth creationist. Okay, cool. No, I, I um, completely agree. The word yom yeah. for day, uh, to much people's dismay, does not necessarily have to mean a 24-hour period, especially when it's writing in a historical narrative kind of way, at least of this time. So the earth is slowing down. We know this, right? Which means it wouldn't even be the same length of day that we have now. No. Very specific. I'm a Unifortarian. Very specific. I am a Unifortarian. Oh, okay. If cool. it's only 6,000 years old, though. Yeah. Oh, yes, because light was made in transit. 
Of course. <laughs> okay, wow. Okay, we're. <laughs> There's only. I love the subtle dig, Joel. The subtle digs, absolutely. No, here's the thing: is that um, you're you're disagreeing with too much when you limit it to a 24-hour period. I think. But that's like my take. Within the Bible or without the Bible? I would say I would say both. I would okay. say it's an unnecessary restriction that you put on uh, on on God. <laughs> I don't know if I'm going to say on God. <laughs> right. On the but, text. But didn't God make the Bible to be plainly read? No. I mean, yes, but that is a that is one of the strong <laughs> According the to Peter, arguments. not Paul's writings. <laughs> yeah, well, absolutely. I completely agree. A lot a lot of people will I've heard a lot of people make the argument that the Bible is read to be is meant to be read by the everyday person. Therefore, why would God put some kind of mystery in it? Mm-hmm. Uh, and the answer being, it's not supposed to really be a mystery. Well, yeah, it, I I also don't think that it's like I want to steal man Joel's argument here. Oh, um, uh, there there's multiple uses of the word day that is not restricted to a 24 hour period, like the apocalyptic day of the Lord can mm. mean absolutely. Like, a larger time period and Um, it can happen multiple times and it can happen multiple times but it's a single day um uh so i think that it's not it's not god interjecting mystery into the text i think it's just we have to do a better job of understanding well what is this passage of the bible within this genre trying to use this word yom Mm -hmm. under its like under which which of the definitions is it being used as, um, and I mean like you say the I'm going back to where Colton was coming Absolutely. from. I'm sorry, I'm sorry to derail your thing <laughs> yeah, a little bit, but no. hey, um, read by the plain person or the mm-hmm. plainly the read, sorry, yes. by the everyday man. Um, that's a pretty new thing for Bibles, believe it or not. Um. So I don't think mm-hmm. it has to function just within that parameter. Well, sh- sure, yeah, in that, in that wording Do you specifically. Wanna, but can you explain further? So it would have been written down originally by, well, traditionally Moses, but more likely scribes, and then kept and then uh, passed along orally from generation to generation. Yeah. Right, that's how it would have been uh, yeah. laid down. So I guess in that way, it's the everyday man. And I'm not. I'm not sure if every book of the Bible follows that rule. No, it's not every book of the Bible. It's just Genesis. It's maybe the Torah, but I'm saying just Genesis right now, right? Sure. Um, but if it's their language, mm-hmm. um, it wouldn't be mysterious to them that it it would that the word is used that way. Yeah, that's fair. Um, sure, but the, the, the the problem comes from English readers. Okay. Yeah. Well, I don't. I don't think it even has to. But yeah, you're right. And the, the problem is English readers with most of the problems with the Bible. But um, even in that day, wouldn't the uh, ancient Hebrews have also interpreted it as a literal day? No, that's not what I mean. What I mean is that the the word yom is used in multiple contexts. Sure. So not necessarily just for a single twenty four hour period. Yeah. So we would have to determine first if they're using it for a singular twenty four hour day. In this passage. Right. Like, because we know that they used that word for multiple definitions of time. So we would have to first figure out, do they think that in this context, the word means 24 hours? Or do are they more loose with it as the original readers? Because then we have to take that into mind. 
Um, That's all. Now, there's a funny other second thing with the days. Mm -hmm. And it's even, it even came up when we were just prepping for the podcast. Colton brought it up because I wrote down a little, there's parallels between the, the sixth days, the seventh day stands alone. Um, and people make different, draw different connections between them. Um, day one, two, and three kind of line up with day four, five, and six, depending on how you're looking at it. The, the, uh, the chart that I built is how it's like, hey, day one, two, and three, it goes from desolate to become a, a habitable landscape. In day three and four, those landscapes get filled with habitants. Um, in those specific landscapes that were made habitable in the corresponding days. So like day one, light and darkness. Day four, um, luminaries. However, I think uh, Joel's going to talk a little bit about day one and light and darkness stuff. Um, Day two, sky and waters. Day five, fish and fowl, birds. Day three, land and vegetation. The land and sea and vegetation is also made. And then day six, the beasts, the... the the um, animals of the uh, of the field mm-hmm. are yep. uh, and are made uh, and then humans and yeah lot of stuff they're creepy crawlies yeah and so that there's there's connections there that s- people disagree on about how how they should be connected um, I know more of those connections Colton what have you come across because you mentioned that it was like hey not everybody agrees with us what have you come across in that well. A lot of people draw those parallelisms, which I think are hard to kind of deny. There are parallelisms there. It is supposed to be, well, how I seem to see it is that it is supposed to be the first three days of creation are these three lists of the creation of physical reality and the second three being of life within it. Okay. Well, I mean, the third day also has life within it, but... The things that inhabit fair. the spaces? Yes, although plants inhabit the spaces too, but that's... Yeah. Yeah. Well, maybe in, in their thinking, they might have seen that as part of the Earth. Sure. Actually, yeah, because life is always predict as presented as God's breath, both in the wisdom wisdom literature yep. and in Genesis one, um, and our more of our 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 scientific mind has gone. Well, plant life is obviously life. It's blah blah blah. But I can't think off the top of my head of hebrews or hebrews assuming assuming the same idea of life to vegetation well they would they would have to an extent in terms of how the other ancient near east uh gods were many of them were uh agricultural gods and stuff that uh by worshiping them and doing that potentially you could uh, grow your crops. This mm-hmm. idea of growth is an idea of life. The, yeah, the, there there was sure, something there, but but there's a there's a there's a, a very different idea of life that's in beasts yep. and in humans and life that's in vegetation. Absolutely. And there's the, there, but it is th- it is still life. Something that has to, because even like in Mesopotamia, for example, they would have understood that ground is not necessarily equal life. Mm-hmm. That earth itself doesn't necessarily equal life, but as long as, but when the uh, when the gods or whatever, or the or the rains or whatever come, then that's what brings the life, mm-hmm. uh, which is the plant growth. No, I, I I'm merely pointing out that the 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 let's say this higher form of sure. this higher concept of life is always tied to the the breath of God. Sure, but the, this um, parallelism does require the idea that it is the empty idea mm-hmm. that these three days are empty, and then these three days are filling of those days. Mm-hmm. Whereas 
the the vegetation seems at least in my opinion to be more of a like a connection point that the like the, a blurring between the two yeah okay yeah yeah that this is the start of the filling by introducing life to it as a even if a form lower form of life well and you interesting might, okay. you might be able like to make that. a connection between that and the uh sun moon and stars like the plants like the sun moon and stars because they're not alive unless the authors are taking that as celestial entities which there's a good argument yeah for sure one, yeah. one of the big staples of life in genesis one uh is that for each of the days that life is mentioned each of those things is told to reproduce mm -hmm. to some extent to fill the earth uh whether it's the the birds and the in the fish the plants not the plants sorry the the people or the animals kind of thing mm -hmm. they're all told to repopulate not re to populate the earth yeah um repopulate gap, yeah gap repopulate. theory yeah exactly. we'll get there no <laughs> um joel you also mentioned um stuff about like the the parallel between days one to three and four to six do you, do you have anything to add on that um so if we're going to hop back into the book review section, mm -hmm. the way that Walton splits this up, and maybe this works for the vegetation problem, I was actually going to bring it up, okay. um, is that the first three days are uh, the creation of, of functions, and then the last three days are the, the functionaries, the things that they're supposed to, to bring forth, right? So the function of light and darkness is to separate the day from the night, which is the luminar luminaries, right? The, the, the moon and the sun. And then the sky and the waters are supposed to be the, the fish and the fowl, so that's where they're supposed to be. That is the function of the sky is to hold the, the birds, and the function of the waters is to hold the fish, and then the land and sea. And it's, it's a whole thing. He has a, a, a couple of sections on it. It's a, it's a pretty major point of his argument, actually. Um, yeah, I, I'm not sure what else to say there unless we want to talk about exactly what the function of the first three days is. Um, I, do, I do like Walton's. Stuff yeah, on, no, on it's, it's good stuff. His articulation of function and functionaries is is um, at least unique. I think it's decently unique. I don't see it in a ton of other stuff. No. But no. Uh, one of his uh, ideas of functions, at least for the first day, is the creation of time. That it's not necessarily light and darkness that's created, um, but it's time as observable to the human eye, I guess it makes sense. Do you think um, Moses would have been aware of that when he wrote it? I'm not sure. I think as a highly educated Egyptian, it's pro possible. The, the idea of time as a concept, having not started before and then having started after? I don't know. Um, or would this been percep this perception that time was eternal, but God was eternal throughout it before? I think there's a, a point to be made about him being uncreated. Uh, yeah. Oh, that I, that yeah. section is left out. I, I agree, yeah. Because one, one of the things I would say about my, my, one of my issues with the parallelism as a poetic structure is that Genesis 1-1 is not a poetic, like it has poetry kind of within it, but it's not poetry itself. I disagree. It's historical that. narrative. Yeah. I don't know about that. I think, I think you can argue, you can argue, it's and although we would, would disagree about that, um, I'm not sold on that idea completely to be fair um you scored better in hebrew than i did um <laughs> that was to, a long time ago to be fair hebrew scholars disagree on this point and i don't know yep. enough 
and I'm biased towards one side. Sure. I'm um, probably biased towards the other. Um, but that's, it's defendable as far as I can tell. I just disagree. Sure. That's all. Yeah. The, the, the main points I see come up are that, uh, much like every other historical uh, narrative, the Vav conjunction is used to connect points to points, whereas in poetry it's not used nearly as much, like by a considerable amount as far as I'm aware. It's also missing a lot of the sentence structure specifically, but also repetitions of words and uh, uh, I think adverbs was another one. Well, repetitions of words is definitely clear. Re there are repetitions of words for sure, but not repetitions of words within themselves to add emphasis. Uh, you know... Uh, if two of the same word are beside each other in Hebrew, typically that means that it's an emphasization of sure. one of them. It's sure. like a doubling down of it. Yeah. Which hap I, I think does actually happen in Genesis 1, but happens a lot more, as far as I'm aware, in poetry. Fair enough. See, I, I don't see that as a point. I've seen the, the stuff on that. But sure. just because it's not always there doesn't mean that's not what it's doing Sure, but here. if it's likely not, if it's likely there and it's not there, then it's likely not, isn't it? I just think there's more reasons to um, to see it as it can't even be poetry because there's so also the the polemic structure of it that we'll get into later. But I, I just again I, I feel like you're putting um, some. I don't feel like I think that you're putting um, borders on what could be more easily explained with uh, reading it as poetry. Uh, potentially, but if it's not poetry, then isn't that the problem? Like, yeah, I could I could interpret a lot more and understand a lot more by it being poetry, but if it's not poetry, then it doesn't matter, does it? I'm not saying it is necessarily, but just every art, like, all of the arguments from the Hebrew I've heard are that is historical narrative and not poetry. To be fair, there are a lot of scholars that now argue and use the claim primordial history. Sure, um, yeah. In where, as a people group, they will categorize their ancestors, mixing them in, and this is going to be as liberal as crazy. Um, I don't hold everything that I'm about to say. <laughs> they, uh, many ancient Near Eastern people groups would categorize their gods, mixing them in with their creation, with different creation accounts, um, often drawing um, heroes of those accounts and villains of those accounts um, towards their ethnic group explaining their relation to other ethnic groups um, and that it's as some scholars actually a good many of scholars argue that Genesis 1 to uh, 11 actually functions in a very similar way yep. to those other primordial history accounts in which case is it the same as a historical narrative I, I, I don't know Honestly, I don't know enough. Fair enough. The, yeah. There's also another note. This might have been one of the things they mentioned was there's a in a bunch of the ancient Near Eastern cultures, Egypt, Babylon, all of them. Um, there, uh, the styles in which they write history or genealogies changes uh, pre deluge, pre flood, um, and they 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 will mark the the Assyrians have a. Um, a lineage of their kings and they're like they live normal lifespans and it says and then the deluge happened and then they're living 20,000 years right um and they're in Egypt they have the same thing like they'll have like a genealogy or like a history and then the deluge happens and then 
the the history starts to get like a blend of the the mystical and the historical. Okay. There's an interesting. I don't know what to make of it, but it's because yeah. Despite the fact that I I am sympathetic towards a more historical reading, sure. Um, even though I'm not sure, I'm more historical. Not reading, the audience would have read it as a more as a more historical right. Right. Um, reading. Although I'm not sure if that is hermeneutically how we how we ought to approach it or should approach it um, based on its genre and all that. But I, I I'm more sympathetic towards that, which I'll admit creates hermeneutical problems. Sure, <laughs> it creates more problems for me to deal with. <laughs> what what changes between? Because this is actually good, I think, for the audience as well. Is that what changes between interpreting as some kind of historical narrative or historical primordial history, primordial history mm -hmm. versus a uh, poetic parallelism or something like that? Specifically, just it's purely structural. Um, I don't think you have to divide them so cleanly. I'm not sure if, if the ancient world would have. Sure. But if it's not history, then it's only structure, right? I, I think they can be writing history poetically. Absolutely. But that, yeah, that's what the historical narrative idea is. Yeah. But if you remove, yeah, the difference being if you remove the history part of it, it becomes just structural framework hypothesis idea. It becomes speculative history. Or speculative sure, fiction. Sure, yeah. Doesn't necessarily... Well, it becomes fi fictional history, but... Yeah, well, yeah. it becomes what you would call myth. Yeah. Yeah. Um, which, which is fair, but is there myth in the Bible? And that's oh, there's myth in the Bible. It's just people debate about it. There's mythical beings. There's mythical... Um, they mythicize heroes. Right. Um, there's myths in the Bible. It's just people... For, for starters... In the Western world, we already, we just straight up don't like the idea of myth. Yeah, we assume that it just means it's not true. Yeah, yeah. and that it's, that it's not just not true, that it's a figment of the imagination that you're not supposed to dwell on all that long, and who sure. cares? Because sure. it doesn't actually reflect reality, and if it does, it's, it can only reflect reality as much as, say, Lord of the Rings or something else. Right. Um, there's several decent books on the use of myth in the Bible, if I'm honest with you. I'd just... Put another one on my wish list today. <laughs> um, I think Oswald writes one. Um, the Oswald. Bible among other myths. I'm looking it up. Oswald now. Chambers? Uh, nope. Uh, the Bible among the myths. What's it about? Um, this topic itself. Yeah. Um, the Bible among the myths written by John and Oswald. Um, unique revelation or just or just ancient literature. Um, and he interacts with this. Um, uh, to be honest with you, I only read part of it. And then I had to return to the library. But it's, again, another one of those books that's on my reading list. The Bible does interact with mythic stuff, not just in, let's say, Genesis 1 to 11, primordial history. Um, but it's difficult to interact with because as soon as you say the word myth, people lose their mind. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, and especially when you believe, when you... If God reveals himself in a culture that thinks in myths, uses myths, um, like a culture that would use, let's say, apocalyptic literature, a poetry, um, I don't know if it's wrong for him to do so, to interact in using a myth. For sure. I, I think a lot of the problem comes in that a lot of people assume that the Bible is written for them. Yeah. 
which it, it's not. Well, like there's a lot you can take out of the Bible, but it wasn't written for you. It's written for you, but not to you. Sure, that's a better way yeah. of putting it. Yeah, and yeah. Even, and even even then, the for you part is not in like a love letter sense of way where it's personal or or whatever. But there's a lot of things you can take out of it that would impact your personal relationship with God in many ways. I think it's exactly. Um, it is intended for all times, but it was Absolutely. written to a... Like the best of classics, it's timeless. Yes, exactly. Like the creator. <laughs> well, it's written to a specific audience. Yes. Um, well, in a method, in a language that they'll understand. A with couple words. specific audiences. Yeah, yeah. To many specific audiences. <laughs> yeah. Um, spanning a great period of time for many different yeah. authors. But it's God revealing himself in a language that they'll understand, with, with terms they understand, with a worldview that they understand with even in some instances, an ethical system that they understand. Right. Um, in which God puts the foundations from that ethical system to be altered and uprooted. It's, so it's, it's, it's God. God reveals himself to his original audience in a way that they'll understand him. And if an original audience understands, incorporates, and let's say deals with primordial history and myth stuff, um, I'm not sure if it's an issue. I'll admit it's uncomfortable. That's where I'm personally at with it. Interesting. Um, I don't know if I just outed myself as the most liberal person here. No, if if we're if we're talking myth as in the non just just wrong in terms of myth, God, I do believe that God absolutely interacts with the world in the culture in the context that they're mm -hmm. within. Mm -hmm. Part of that being this very. Uh, mythical thinking of the ancient world i i do believe that my issue is that if genesis is present or genesis one specifically is presented as a historical narrative which i, I is it i don't know i i've seen a lot of people say it is mm -hmm. if it is then what do we how literal does that mean yeah um we at least have to acknowledge that there is contention even amongst the best of experts over what style of literature genesis one yeah. is genesis one and two or one to eleven is um we can see patterns we can see we can see poetry in it and it's written historically so it seems to be historical narrative well there's um, there's structural things in there yeah. as well that are yeah there's yeah. definitely poeticisms there's yeah yeah um it's not markings. clean cut either way like there is sure. there is evidence of of poetic yeah. and mythic thinking absolutely um, chiasms are a good example of that yeah yeah, yeah. Um, Joel, I want to hear more from you about the function over form. Oh, the function over form. Yeah. yeah. Um, Would you be able to do a few minutes on that? What <laughs> function is for the world? Yeah, no, I, I, I got that for sure. Here, I'm just going to actually open up the, the book so I know, yeah, what, I'm, know what I'm talking about. Yeah. Um, it's not my opinion. It's John Walton. So if you listen to our last podcast, um, there was we ended up having quite a bit of debate that I don't think was ever actually resolved on... Uh, the creation of the material world or the creation of the functional world. Um, and this is kind of the separation of the physical and the supernatural, which Walton would argue is a construct of scientific thinking, which is, which is great. I don't think he's anti-science, but I do think that he, um, we've already talked about it, tries to take the modern reader to a historical context. And from people that I've talked to that have critiqued uh, Walton's work, 
I think sometimes his priority of taking people to the historical world to understand scripture rather than using the theological significance of today uh, is kind of a shortcoming, right? Overly mm-hmm. analytical, spends too much time in the past. But his taking of uh, functional rather than his use of function in the first three days. Um, do you do you mind if do you mind if I try to yeah, and, and then it. you I'm can tell me? Um, what's up, Josh? Well, I was just going to ask, like, what is what do you mean by function? I, I I'll do my best to answer Kay. that question. I have not read that book yeah. personally. I've Kay. audio booked it. Okay, so to be fair, uh, yeah. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Um, it's like secondhand reading. It's like secondhand reading, actually, though. <laughs> yeah. Um, John Walton's argument is that the the ancient world predominantly thought in function, not in material. Okay. Like what um, do you why mean? things happen? Kind of idea. Like yeah. This exists yeah. because this happens. Yeah. They thought a lot cause in, and effect in causality, but in like in that divine sort of way, right? Right. The material exists so that the function is done because that is the will of the gods. Right, and so Walton's argument is that the first, um, let's say, the the ancient Hebrew reading of it would be to associate these events with function first, and he uh, and then he would go yeah. and not material. Um, I, I'm not sold on on that point personally, but he 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 ties the ancient world concept of of material exists for the function and god sets up the functions of the universe in genesis 1 mm-hmm. um, and then the material is just assumed to follow that 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 set pattern that function um yeah. but that the but that 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 the material isn't implicit in the setting up of the function so what are is that is that accurate yes i is, think so so i understand what you're saying because um, I was lost last time. What you're saying is, is that he's setting up, he's not saying that he's, it's in a story where he's creating everything, but what he's doing is, is the ocean exists to hold living things. Yeah. So here's here's the analogy he uses, and I've just come, it's come back to me now as we've been okay. talking about it, because you did a pretty good job of explaining it. A restaurant exists. Yes. It doesn't function until it has a license to be a restaurant, right? So he's creating the actual, the structure within... So the function yeah. would actually be the restaurant itself, weirdly enough, in the analogy. Mm-hmm. Um, another one he uses is a college, right? A college is a building, but then it only has its purpose once the functionaries have been installed. Right? So the functionary will be the faculty yeah. and the students, yeah. right? So the first section is him setting up a um, that the world can continue to exist, right? Yeah. That there is a... A wound clock. Kind a of wound idea. clock kind of a thing. So... Continue. I'm cutting you no, off. No, I'd love to. Oh, I was going to say, it's like a, we had this discussion earlier at a Tim Hortons um, that uh, uh, a cup is not a cup unless a human uses it as a cup. A cup is also oh a goodness. hammer. Yeah, ontology. Yeah, a cup is also a hammer if you beat somebody with it or whatever, or a weapon. But unless you use it as that thing, it's it's not that thing. It's just an object. And what he's saying is that God is putting the purpose into the ocean mm-hmm. by putting the functionary sorry the the place for the animals yeah giving a function by making it land and get putting the animals in it yes i th- yeah i, I think, think that's so. based off of my uh, yeah. hearing of the book yes okay <laughs> interesting sure like I, I don't even think i disagree with that like see that's where all. i'm at 
But how much? How much of the material is then excluded? No, because this also. Anyway, sorry, I'm about to get super deep into the weeds, but I just need to like express it. Um, it's before everything exists. It's the deep, right? It's just potential chaotic ocean. Is everything's there? Okay, just wait. Just okay, wait. Don't fight him yet. I know <laughs> your point on this one. Just wait. The the stuff, the potential, right? Um, and oh no, I'm losing it. I had the I had the Paul moment, and now it's going away. Um, is he's taking from the random and giving it purpose? Um, the same. Oh no, 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 no! Don't, don't, don't let this happen to me. <laughs> um, and how the the Genesis one one is also the same idea of giving function to the nothing. No, it's 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 all potential. It's all the 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 idea realm, and he's pulling from the 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 none of this. Like if if you don't look at a tree, it's not a tree. Or if you don't look at a cup, it's not a cup. Like if there's no okay. observers, yeah. you brought this up yeah. in that conversation. Yeah. If there's no observers, there's no cup. It's just particles. Like a- you, absolutely. Yeah. If if you want to interpret it that, if you believe that, then yes. Well, no, no, no. But you were saying that. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways, I'm lost. Continue. I'm sorry. <laughs> this will come back after the it podcast, will. and I'm I'm gonna love it. I might jump um, into it just as you're closing. We are. <laughs> this is beautiful. I love that. <laughs> Um, I think this is actually a pretty good spot to transition now into some of the some of the hot topics of like the very specific um, words um, that topic. are used. The formless and void, tovu vomohu mm. in Hebrew. Mm-hmm. Um, what some people then see ex nilo creation out of, which uh, Joel has told me that I need to tell people what ex nilo is. Yeah, that's probably good. That's idea. a probably good idea. He's right. Um, ex nilo is just well, the, the, the whole phrase in. Is it Greek or Latin? It's Latin. Latin. Uh, Ex nilo nilo fit, which is out of nothing, nothing comes. And so when most theologians and whatever say ex nilo, they're like, hey, creation out of nothing. Mm -hmm. It's like out of of nothing. Exit, ex nilo, nothing. Um, The the purpose of that is that everything, everything that makes something on earth makes it from material around it, whereas God can pull something out of nothing. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Many people, even the majority of, let's say, most apologists and a good chunk of theologians will argue actually against what you were, what you were going on about there, Josh, mm-hmm. um, in that uh, God creates the, let's say, the chaotic deep, the formless void, the waters, yeah. the deep, um, in Genesis 1-1, where it's in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth, yep. period. That's, that's viewed as the first event. The yep. earth is then said, and the earth was without form or void, and yep. darkness covered over the face of the deep. Right, and the the form or void is what is the tovu vabohu. Yeah, um, they will then argue that the whole idea is that well, when he created the heavens and the earth, so the heavens are set, the earth is set, but right now, after that first event, right now the earth is just watery chaos, soupness. Is the earth the deep? Well, that's 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 the argument there. That the earth is the deep? Yeah. That it has to be. <laughs> or is it in the deep? Because he doesn't he gathers the land. The earth out of was the deep. without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep. Sure, right. it's it might not be explicit. Well no no no. What I mean is like because in uh day three, mm-hmm. he gathers the land. Well he 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 separates the waters. Yep. Um and then gathers the land. Yes. Um 
what's assumed in well, I, I'd like to get where you're going. Yeah. Um, what's assumed in a lot of uh, theologians and apologists is that uh, chaos, the ancient that Genesis one two portrays that God created the ancient Near Eastern concept of the chaotic waters. So oh, again, repeat that. A lot of theologians and apologists say that Genesis 1 is a first event. Genesis 2 then describes what the earth is after that first event. Yeah. Therefore, yeah. Genesis 1 puts right. forward the idea that God is the author of the chaotic waters. Yes, I have heard this. Yeah, this, this is a common thing. Yeah. Um, for those who n- know, um, I disagree. <laughs> um, I don't know if we want to get into that. Um Par se, but yeah, where you were going with day three, he separates the land and the, and the or actually he separates a uh, day two, he separates the sky and the waters, and then he separates the uh, the land and the sea. Um, ancient Near Eastern cosmology has imagine if you have a globe like a big ball of water, okay, yeah. um, and now in the middle of that water you separate it, so now you have a sphere, a hollow sphere of water with an emptiness in the middle an air pocket an air pocket in there mm-hmm. and then he gathers the land in that air pocket mm-hmm. that's the concept of the ancient near eastern cosmology if you know lord of the rings cosmology then it's that yeah because so many people know <laughs> yeah. a lot about <laughs> no specifically that yeah um such a nerdy thing um and so not just in the bible um but actually that idea of s- that that cosmological view of this is what the universe is actually mapped out yep um is shared all across the ancient near east mm-hmm. that idea of the the surrounding cosmic waters both above below the sides everywhere yep. and then there's the land that's, that's gathered that's why in the uh flood story it says the the windows of the heavens were opened up yep um the water was just from the deep emptying back into creation and the wells open up and it's yeah. just that's why it's portrayed like as a decreation yeah um narrative often um, do does anybody else want to go on about the formless and void stuff? I mean, Tohu Bohu is. I mean, in other places in, most in chaotic chaos. Yeah, well, it's it's interesting because it's the chaos is more hidden in the face of the deep, is where you get that. Um, it means in Hebrew, especially later on, it has more explicit ties to this is uninhabitable. Yes, this is desolate. This is unuseful. Yes, because the same two words are used to describe the wilderness that the Israelites walked through after leaving Egypt. Yeah, and when the Assyrians come in and desolate everything, yeah. and it's it's used for this is a yeah. wasteland. Well, and this, this sorry, no, and this goes to your function over form argument, the the function and the functionaries, because the words right yours say um, void and formless, formless and void, formless yeah. and void. The um. Uh, unfilled and unformed yeah so there's no shape there's no function like there's no thing and then there's no thing to fill the thing if we if we go to that idea of yeah function and functionary yes but but even that it's like there's no there's no place and then there's no material in the place unfilled yeah, it, and unformed it's just the ball of water right now there's yeah. no air pocket and there's no land in the air pocket mm-hmm. utterly uncontrolled yes desolate like you said mm-hmm. yeah i know that unfilled and unformed is a, is a preferred 
reading mm-hmm. by one of our professors that we all know. Yeah. Um, kind of the one he pushes for. I wonder how that would compare to how, like, say, Tiamat is, is described. We're uh, going to get there at the end. Okay, cool. Yeah. Cool. Because if you, uh, you could look at the first three days as uh, him forming, and mm-hmm. then the, ne- the second three as days him as filling. him filling. That's pretty cool. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's a good word. Going to um, absolutely a lot of yeah. a lot of people do. Yeah, oh. just something in the same verse or same like subsequent verse that Josh has pointed out many times, and I just really like it. Is the uh, is um, still in verse two? Um, and the spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters, mm-hmm. and so the deep is in the ancient Near Eastern concept the the untamable, chaotic water's potential soupy yeah. chaos. Um, but as soon as God's presence come, oh, it's yeah. it's water now. When when and darkness so it's defined. is over, in, right. the, in the section before, when darkness is over the deep, it's the deep. When God's over the deep, it's just water. He's By being there, it's giving definition to it. Oh, okay. Interesting. It, yeah, his presence foretells of the idea of him ascribing right. definitions and differenti- differentiation? Differentiation? Whatever. And because yep. this is one of the polemics, a tomb doesn't do that. It still describes it as the deep. Right. But we're about to yeah. get into before, before we do, mm-hmm. when it comes to uh, the idea of create, with this idea of ex nihilo, this creation out of nothing, mm-hmm. what does, like, you, you did say that, like, that is the common view that God created out of nothing and that's what's set in it. Mm-hmm. Why should we think otherwise? Um, because <clears throat> we've been alluding to it with this idea uh, that it's f- unformed, as in there is still something there. Yeah, other places in Scripture, particularly in the prophets, um, in wisdom literature, um, and most explicitly in John, John one, right, one, uh, John one one to three, actually, um, is the let's say the, the theological idea of God created all things anything that did exist that has come into being he yep. made and that's explicitly said said my only argument is that in here it doesn't necessarily say that however i'm willing to say outright hey um i'm not i don't know enough about the ancient near eastern concept of the deep I don't know if they associated the deep chaotic waters with concept of more like potential nothingness. I don't know. I need to read more on that. Right. I've read a lot of um, more, as Josh will go into, more polemical stuff. But I, I, I would need to know more about the ancient Near Eastern concepts themselves and their philosophical readings into their religious idea of the deep chaotic waters. Because yeah, if, if they associate it with potential nothingness, then ex nilo nilo fit like uh, or a creation of ex nilo does fit there i just don't i don't know i know a lot of people who take the the i don't want to say crazy but they take the more uh extreme approach that because it specifies it doesn't specify this perfect beginning like there that it does say that there was unformed but that still means that there could have been something there just like a lump of clay that hasn't been formed kind of idea mm-hmm. I don't know if we want to talk about gap theory, but that's one of the main arguments for that. Well, that'd be a good connection to put um, Tovu Vubohu. That's, I guess that's the controversy that comes from it, right? Yeah. Um, among many, but yes. Is the, among many, yes. There's a few, yeah. The formless and void. So it, it is, like you said, foundational in gap theory. 
Yep. Do you want to give a summary of what gap theory is or myself? Uh, you're looking at it right now. Okay, you cool, cool, cool. Um, so that there's a, there's a time gap of eons between Genesis 1-2 and Genesis 1-3. So during this gap, mm-hmm. the Earth became formless and void. That it wasn't always that way. And this can run into some other heresy. Some people say that there was uh, an evil ruler uh, over the previous Earth that was Satan. Yeah, and also dinosaurs. That's That's a a whole thing. Is that actually a big one? Uh, A lot of people believe that connects the two. Yeah. That's rough. I love it. Anyways, it's hard to call that a literal reading. It's hard to call that anything, really. I don't Um, think it's faithful to the text in any way no well it, but it, it does tries, it's much like um theistic evolution this idea that uh god used evolution to create everything uh which some people believe some people don't uh this tries in the same way to harmonize science and nature in many ways at least on the surface it does mm-hmm. is that it seems to try to say hey look there was this world before the world was created but it just like doesn't have the same shape and view that we have it but dinosaurs being one of them i brought it up because they believe many people believe that's in the old world it was there but not in the new world and that in a flood or some cataclysmic disaster it was all wiped clean formless void all that and then remade that's their the idea of trying to harmonize but i think it's weak on both ends i think i think such a reading just is completely ignorant of the ancient near eastern concept of that whole the formless void of chaos the chaotic waters the the because that's such a big thing, and, and if we're going to s- switch into polemics now, um, if we're, we're good with that, actually, we want to talk about the image of God, don't we? That's a big thing. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that might come up as its own episode in the future, but we should definitely yeah, we touch should do on a little bit. Saying. Then yeah. we'll shift into polemics. I'll, get, I'll, I'll mm-hmm. explain my, the connection that I was going to say, though. Um, often, uh, gods arise out of the chaotic waters um, in... Uh, yes. in ancient Near Eastern context, uh, or other ancient Near Eastern creation accounts. And it is markedly different in Genesis how God's just there. Right. It's like, hey, I come up, I come upon the, uh, yeah. the, uh, the face I, of the waters. I, I show he's up. Above it. He's yeah. above it. Exactly. And so it's, it's, it's a, it's a marked difference between God and, uh, and all of the other ancient Near Eastern deities. Separate and greater. Yeah. As the yeah, and so yeah. such a like the gap reading doesn't even can, like can't no. even acknowledge that idea. Mm-hmm. Um, but then how do you do with Satan and which where he was he before he fell? Yeah, mm-hmm. I'm just kidding. Unless his fall is the same time as humanity's, which is a wild Paradise reading. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. which actually is gap theory, but kind of not really. No, that's no poetry. Paradise Lost. Lost is awesome. Um, yeah, one. Before we get into polemics, which also Image of God is going to get into polemics a little bit too, yeah. um, both Colton and Joel have done papers on the Image of God. Yep. Um, and we've talked about it lightly. There's no such thing. <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> hard, <laughs> hard stance. I thought we were going to be fighting on this one. <laughs> Other than where it explicitly says it, it doesn't say it. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Except for the three other times. Um. What do you think is the significance in Genesis of God making humans in his image? Because this is such a contentious topic, do you mind if I read the few verses? Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, Sixth day, 
then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock, over all the earth and over a creepy thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them. Yeah. Boys who've written the paper on it, mm-hmm. who've done the research, before I do my ramblings, what uh, what was your, like, if you could synthesize what your, what your like, thesis was? So I'm a, I'm a little scared that uh, we're going to end up on the same, like, I think it's poetry. And then Cole said, I don't think it's poetry. <laughs> That's fine. No, I, I, I won't talk it about does it. Have a, no, no, we can totally disagree with that because there is, uh, I would argue, more of a case that it is talking about a, a physical representation, although I don't think it is a physical representation. But I think the reason that a physical representation, the what's the word? It's uh, Salam. Mm-hmm. Which, Salam, uh, yeah. I, I don't know how to pronounce it. it. I, I don't, don't know. know. Where do you correct By me? physical rep- uh, representation, are you talking humanities made in the physical image of God? Joel, I, I, did, I didn't mean to correct you. I thought you said <laughs> Salon, and so no, I was confused. No, Salon. Um, no, but what it's referring to in a polemic sense was a physical image the the ashapti of the egyptians ah right so if and what's the shapti of the egyptians humans are idols yeah so humans as the idols of god yeah and i'm sorry i I totally stole your point there josh because i know that we've talked about this before no this is good um that would be the reason for it being a physical image although i don't think we look like god and I think looking around, you can probably see it, that. Absolutely. I 100% agree with you. Colton. Yes. Saying My whole paper is on this exact topic then, of being idols of God. Yeah. What does that mean? Because the average readers, not average leader, reader, the average listener is going to hear that and go, what does that mean? Idols are bad. Yeah. What? What does it mean to be an idol of God? And... Should we not phrase it that way because of the confusion? Should we be more careful? With most people, I try not to. However, it is a word that does fit pretty well. An idol, an ancient... uh, Sorry, uh, an idol in the ancient Near East, as far as I'm aware, is a representation of the God who is above kind of idea. A physical representation of the God who is above. Yes, there's a lot of, like you you said, there is a lot of tied into... um, the appearance also matters kind of thing. Um, this physical representation of a non of a physical rep, of physical being, but God is obviously not physical. So how do we have a physical representation of a spiritual being? Well, well I don't think that's the point. If it's poetic. If it's poetic. The other way that the, the word is translated is shadow. Yep. What does that mean? Because the shadow's not physical. That, that is a translation of one of the words for uh, yeah. image, I think it is. Or, yeah. Yeah. yeah, image or likeness, I don't remember. Because there's two words being used there. Mm-hmm. God made them, let's make them in our image, in our likeness. Uh, are being interesting, but we can get into that later. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, the image of God and the likeness of God, while are two different words, do seem to be used pretty interchangeably in Genesis, especially early Genesis. Um, the, uh, let's make them in our image, in our likeness. Seth was then made in the, the likeness and the image of Adam. The uh, Noah, uh, the spread the likeness of God, the image was within him kind of idea. Is that they, uh, that one only mentions the likeness. But there seems to be a tying of the two words together. And that, like shadow is an interesting mm-hmm. one of one of them. But I don't know if both words 
translated. I don't think that. it's both of them. No, I think yeah. it's just image. And in the research I did in terms of like why it's saying these two words is that they're both representations of different aspects of the same thing. You know how with tovu bohu it's formless and void, this mm-hmm. unfilled, unformed. If you want to go into that way, uh, this this way would also be the uh, the likenesses in physical. Well, I don't want to say physical, but likenesses and as it is a rep- it is that image as in a reflection of that. Mm-hmm. Okay. See, so oh. you want to hear the most controversial part of my paper? Sure. Because it got, it got pretty bad at the end. I don't know if I still agree <laughs> with it, but we'll Ooh, see what happens. I did just pull it up, and I'm like, this oh, that's fun. shouldn't have written that. Um, <laughs> no, but there's uh, our likeness. Why do you think he uses the plural there? I actually don't know. Some have put forth that it has to do with headship. That... Because he is plural, it's also to the entirety of humanity that there is a single image of God in humanity. Abs- yes, yes. Yeah, that yeah, it's I not an that. individual can you, can you idea. Explain that, like flesh that out. It's not exclusively Adam and Eve okay. that have it. It's not exclusively you and I that have it. We don't have oh, ourselves okay. each an image of God, but rather we're a reflection of God. And how that ties back in is that it's restored through marriage. Oh, that's the part I wouldn't say is because if marriage is supposed to represent man's relationship to God or God's relationship to his people. That's doubled down with the whole church analogy. Yeah, it it 100% just goes into the church thing, but you're doing systematics if you if you pull that in, which is fine, which is fine. I'm not against systematics entirely. I'm just going to finish this one point. Yep. Okay. That a restoration of the image of God is an invitation into the self-love of the Trinity. <laughs> okay, yeah, that's, that's a very orthodox thing. Yeah. In there. Um, Anyways, that's what I, was I don't know if I. Yeah, I don't know if I'd write <laughs> See, that down that's either. The part that I was like, you I don't said, know if I get that. Um, has each individual person doesn't have the image of God? No, each. They, they do. They just have a distorted version of it, which is weird because the collection of it perform, re- reforms no, it's, into it, the image, it's right? Not the, it's not the individual part that I have a problem with. You said has. Has. Not are. Not are. Oh, like they oh. contain the image of God rather than they are the image of God? Yeah, because it's, it's the pattern in which they are created in, not they have the image. Okay. Yeah. We could go both ways. I would still lean to has. I see... Here we get into, like, of course, I, I didn't write the paper. Okay. I didn't write yeah. the paper. I haven't done the research. So this is just my ironically, top of the... Ironically, not married to this. <laughs> <laughs> um, this fine. is just, like, my standard reading. Mm-hmm. Um, so I could be way off base. Um, I agree, normally agree with uh, what Josh is putting On everything. forward here. No, what? Yeah. <laughs> Um, I normally agree with what Josh is putting forward here because I have normally read the idea of um, being made in the image of God, right? You are the image of God. You are the, as depending on the audience, the idol of God. Um, Is it explicitly tied to their role as rulers of the earth? In fact, I would argue that's the most important I want to make a specific point. Um, It's not... So let's create man in our image, our image. Yep. not with the image. not with our image but also not like let us not make man as our image does it have the bait it's in our image does it have oh, the bait yeah. preposition the, the in is the big 
I think it is. I'm doubling down. I'm just going to double sure check the Hebrew yeah. and make sure that it actually has the bait preposition. Um, that is one ch- uh, in it's a, it's a 127. It's let us make man. There's 26. Yep. Um, yeah. Yeah. Bait preposition. In, yeah. by, with, specifically. In, in. by, with. Yeah. So the, there's a pattern, the image of God, and he's making man in that pattern. So it's... Uh, it's individual and corporate, like okay. the, like could the church. Argue in their yeah. Oh, hundred percent. I was going to mention that a bit earlier because because he says, "Let us make man, like man," and then he says, "Male and female." female. Yes, it's a big important distinction. Yeah. Um, this idea that is both, which is another thing with we brought up the R idea. Why, why is God saying our image? Uh, one of the main things I've seen tied to that. One second, Josh. Um, is that uh, man and woman being made in image is that relationship is in a distinct part of being in the image of God itself. Mm-hmm. That's that, cut on heavily with like social justice stuff. Has it? Yeah. Well, 100%. it's it's actually Sorry. when we do our humanities episode, which is okay. coming down the down the road a little bit, um, we'll be discussing this specific topic and how that has yeah. affected um, where we get human rights from. And then follow that through history a bit and more yeah. social stuff. It's, that it's, is coming down the pipeline, by the way. It's interesting because, yes, it, it is a big part of marriage. Sorry, Josh. I'm not meaning to cut you off, but I want to finish the thought. Keep talking. Don't let him talk. But I don't know how much it has to tie with uh, how much it ties with marriage specifically, even though it does talk about it like right after. that. That is an interesting idea. But it does seem that the relationship that Adam and Eve have, that love, that, rela- that re- concept of relationship itself, might be the reason why he included the R part of that. Unless, Do you think? Unless it's tied to ruling and having dominion, in which well, case the angels' part. reading just works. Well, the right? angels' reading. The angels' reading. What yeah, that it's like about? that. It's like angels also have dominion. Okay. This is oh, wild. okay. Now I get you're it. talking about wild what? theories with that. I don't think this is wild. <laughs> <laughs> well, mine's the more tame version of his. Oh, hey, but his is more interesting. <laughs> um, that if the image of God is related to dominion, rule, authority, vice regency, all of that. Yep. L- like sovereignty. Yes. yes. Um, oh, no. Yeah. No, 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 no. This gives credence to my other idea. Oh, no. You're Continue. right. <laughs> Josh hates being right. <laughs> no, Sorry, it's... Um, it, no, I'm missing we're not talking here. about yeah. that. It's, it's just too close to heresy that I can't say it online. Um... <laughs> We'll have to edit that out. Can't say heresy on the internet. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, that if the image of God is explicitly tied to a being r- ruling, having dominion, yes. having having given a certain amount of sovereignty, then it we know the angels also have that. And so it's the let us make man in our image. I absolutely partially agree with you. Okay, cool. I don't agree that he's I, talking to the angels. I don't. I don't. Oh, I'm not saying, the angels. I'm, oh, I'm not saying. This is what I think. I think I'm you saying that if it's exclusively tied to dominion and sovereignty and vice and and vice regency and all that, there's a you can make you, the claim. That, are that you is, saying angels don't reproduce? I, that's nothing to do with that. Well, no, because it's also be fruitful and multiply. Yeah, that's a command right specific, but that's also for the animals as well. Yeah, you're right. That's but if it's but if the if the image of God is specifically tied to, um, let's say, divinely given partial sovereignty. Yes. Then 
the argument that he's talking to the angels at least has grounding. I, I'm not seen, saying it's explicitly and only tied to that. If I, it is, I, though, I, it works. I, I disagree. The affirmation prevent affirmation. Okay, I talked about it before. The professor that we talked about does not like that reading. I brought it up to him. Yep. I said, "Hey, is this angels?" He goes, "No, stop." On on all the research <laughs> I did. <laughs> I, it, it was a while since I've read this paper, so names of books I couldn't specifically ma- mention. But every single person I, I read had completely disagreed with that idea. Yeah. Not not because, like, oh, it's, it's it goes against the idea or whatever. Just it seems to not be within the text itself. This idea of angels that he's speaking to them. Fair enough. Which... I'm not meaning to just disagree. No, no, I'm not saying I agree with it. All it I'm is saying an interesting is idea. if the image of God is solely tied to dominion, that argument well, stands. So when we talk about being made in the image of God, individually, corporately, we're saying that humans, what, what are we saying that this, that this that means? That the text means or what it means in general? Well, what did you say in your paper? I wrote that it has both a mix of the physical attributes of being the idol, like, like you talked about, yes. this idol, this representation of God on earth, both both in characteristics and in function, if we want to talk about that. Yeah. But one of those functions, the specific function, is being the regent of earth while God is away, while he's not on the throne. Oh. He is, no, he is on the throne of creation above it in his rest, but man is overseeing his creation as the regent. In, put in charge of like like a governor of a district, put yes. in charge of it. Yes. Not that God's just gone, but God created creation and now He puts His regent in charge. Okay, I agree. I just didn't. I really didn't like your wording. I, I think that it ties in a little bit with the with the the day of rest as well. Sure. Okay. Well, it's it's the idea of all kingdoms and emperors had done it in the not all. The majority in the ancient Near East, in Rome and in Greece, when the emperor came or when the emperor conquered a city, they made a statue of him in the middle of the city or they made something to, hey, no. this is the dude that rules you. And man functions similar to like a statue, like an idol of that. Yeah. But instead of just being a statue, he's also the governor of the city. Yes. Yeah. Like in the Egyptian sense, the uh, uh, Joseph at the end of Genesis, is made second in command under Pharaoh, mm-hmm. and he is put on Pharaoh's chariot, mm-hmm. and he is given Pharaoh's regency ring, mm-hmm. and he is paraded through the city so that people know when he does something, it's mine. He's commanding. He's being placed as the second in command, as everything that Joseph does, it's me. So yes. obey him like it. And in this, And a lot of scholars have gone to say that that is a at like polar ends of the Genesis text describing the image of God. Interesting. The the, uh, the the way in which he becomes because it also patterns itself into the foreshadowing of Christ. Christ is the image yep. of God. Yeah. Second in command, everything he does, God does. In him the fullness of God was yeah. used to dwell. And then further we're conformed to the image of Christ, the same way we're made in the image of God. Anyways, yeah. I yeah. didn't do as much research onto New Testament ideas of image because mm-hmm. There is it was an, an exegetical paper. It was an exegetical paper, but also it, it there does seem to be a continuation of the idea of what the image of God is in that. Mm-hmm. Um, but in what this is saying specifically, there is like this whole idea of dominion, of, of ruling over, I think is a pretty good argument as to the main thing or one of the main things, considering how in 
verse 26, God said, Let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds. He creates them in his image and like it does seem specifically gives them one of the big aspects of it is to give them dominion. Yeah. And yeah. that that likeness and image seems heavily tied. He to also that. he also says that it's very good. Yes, unlike everything else is good. But also at the pinnacle of creation. I want to transition into polemics. Yeah. Josh. Yes. Bible puts forward like humans are very good. <laughs> like, hey, you're you're made in the image of God. Hey, baby, you're have dominion. <laughs> what is? Because sometimes humans are made out of demon goddess blood. Sorry, yes. what? Yep. So. <laughs> We've gone through the last podcast. I hit on two. Yeah. The the so to review a polemic is a literary device that people have used throughout time, uh, where there's an original text. Like let's ex- give it a classic example. Uh, there's a politician. They release a commercial saying, "Hey, you should vote for me for all these reasons. I've hugged the baby. I take care of the poor. Blah blah blah." And then you'll see a video of his competitor who films it the exact same way, but with slight differences. And he says, hey, this is why you shouldn't vote for this person, because he hates babies. And he, <laughs> right. He kicks puppies. <laughs> yeah. And so it's like, it's filmed the same way, but the changes are, you go, wait, that's not like it was. And that draws you in. And that focus is a presenta- a truth being presented by the second person about the reality um well it's it's a commentary on the first one using the first yes. one as a medium yes um both as a trash on the people and as the of the original one and a in light a bringing forward to a greater truth and in genesis one we see a couple of those yes um specifically so genesis one seems to be as we discussed in the previous passage an amalgamation of two or three Egyptian creation stories. Mm-hmm. Um, the Ogdod being the first three verses. The the first two. Um, and there's some... The first line is a polemic. He says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. In the Ogdod, it says, on an occasion. When it, it just happened to be at this point in time. Not right. at the beginning of time. Um, and then it also doesn't say that there's a God that's there that makes the heavens and the earth. It's just on an occasion, and then the darkness, blah, 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 covered the, the waters. The earth was formless and void and un, uh, undifferentiated formlessness in their wording. And then is it Apsu that just pops up? It is uh, Ptah. 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 And he is just there. He's the divine wind, Ptah. Um, and he's with the deep. Um, and so there's that difference. God is above different separate. And in the first line, he's there at the beginning of time. Right. Whereas Ta is just there on a day. Inside, yeah. And, yeah. And so the, the author of Genesis one mm-hmm. is specifically going, Oh no, but, but our God's better. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right at the beginning. This is the beginning of everything. And then, and this guy's been here before. Preeminent, yeah. yeah. Above the water. Yeah, above yeah. the water, signifying the position of greater than mm-hmm. and separate. He's not of the deep. Whereas in all the other religions, 
the beings come from the deep, the same way that in Daniel, the monsters rise out of the deep. Well, there's there's one... You, I, I'll give you a break from mm-hmm. giving specific polemics. Yeah. Um, one or two very interesting polemics that are just straight up not in either of the Genesis accounts, but more specifically the... F- yeah, those are creation mm-hmm. accounts, but more specifically the first. Um, you have the, the term chaos kampf, which actually is just... Uh, it's a pattern that we see in creation accounts where gods create out of battling other gods and josh will get into a couple of specific examples but it's very 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 common where there's the chaotic water or there's a chaotic god and the the creator god or the 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 prime god or whatever right um will battle it destroy it or subdue it different variations but they have to confront it and there is a war or there is conflict super not there in Genesis. Genesis yeah. God's just, and do this thing, because I said so. Yeah. Oh, it just happens. Yeah. Chaos and the deep, the waters, just do as God commands. There is no challenge. There is no showing, not just mm-hmm. not showing his mastery and sovereignty. Yeah, and sadly, I can't make the connection here, but um, because this is relation to the Egyptian story, not the Babylonian story, so yeah. there's he's not polemicizing that story but there is a connection between how marduk speaks the magic words defeats tiamat Mm -hmm. and then makes the earth and she's described as the the salt water the chaos deep um and then god using words defines the deep down into reality uh john curd in against the Mm -hmm. gods actually he he doesn't go over specifics but he does mention that there's a couple egyptian creation uh, accounts that do where Creation is because of verbatim words. Yes. Um, although they're not... The phraseology is very, very different than the Bible. Mm-hmm. So the okay. idea could be could be the same. Um, could, be yeah. the, could be the inspiration. It's at least there in the ancient Near East when this is being made. Same, the same culture that has creation accounts that are already being used are used. Um, but uh, it's not explicit. The idea is the same. The words aren't the same. So the polemic and ideas are there, but it's it's yeah. it's not as sure. Yeah. Right. Um, one of the other things is the word for deep in Hebrew is tehom, uh, which is people scholars argue is the root is the Hebrew word that comes from the root word for tihamat, tehom, okay. tihamat, um, which connects thematically with the deep, dark, salt water, whatever. But the there's argument and it's not, there's no consensus. Yeah. Scholars um, will continue to argue about that. Yeah. Um, and then you've got the next line, which is uh, in the Genesis story, God says, let there be light. And there was light separates the darkness from the night. In the Egyptian story, light just appears in the deep and it's the God, a tomb. And he's like, I'm drowning. Um, I right. can't breathe. And so he separates the waters apart so that he has an air pocket to live in. Um, and then he set, he gathers some land together so he has somewhere to stand so he's not swimming constantly because who can do that? Because apparently he's a pretty weak god. Um, <laughs> well, I mean, compared to Genesis 1, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he can't tread water that long? Longer than, not even, not even a few minutes because his whole creation story happens in a day whereas God's happens in seven. Um Anyways, I was treading water for seven days. <laughs> um, so, anyways, he separates the same pattern of separating waters from waters, gathering the lands, 
uh, putting vegetation on because he wanted something to eat. Um, well, do you mind if I interrupt on yeah. that point? Um, that's another big polemic just in general with mm-hmm. more ancient Near Eastern stuff. Yeah. Um, normally, vegetation and the purpose of humanity yeah. is to, hey, go get the food, grow the food, collect the food, bring the food to me. Yeah. yeah. Where in Genesis 1, 1, 2 to 4, is, hey, the food, you and the animals. Yes. have at her yep. yeah. that's what it, that's what it's for specifically don't have to work for it too yeah yeah um and that's a massive yeah. massive difference between oh creation is to serve me the the gods mm. right the, yes um whereas physical creation is presented in genesis one as no phys- the, the the fruits of physical creation is for physical creation itself it's yeah. sufficient it's it's right. for you yeah and What's really interesting is like, um, anyway, so we'll get through it and then we can start analyzing the like the deeper aspects to the uh, polemics. Um, you've got the stars in the sky, but specifically he doesn't say, and the sun. He uses the word Ra. So another God appears. In fact, all of the like the sea, the land, all these things, they're the names of the gods in the Egyptian pantheon. Right. Well, it's, um, it's specifically an attack of theogony. Yeah. So theogony is that during creation, there is, alongside with the creation of the material thing, there's the creation of the God that corresponds with that material thing. Yeah. Um, whereas in... Uh, the Bible. The Bible, it's presented as like, oh, it's just thing, yeah. you know? Yeah. Um, it's yeah. a thing in and of itself. And it's, and it's, it's like, here's just an example. So I, I guess it's not really a material thing. It's connection to the to the, uh, the function of that thing. Baal, god of yeah. storms, right? Yeah. He exists because storm exists. His whole, the cycle of Baal, his death is when the rainy season leaves. His function and his identity is tied up to the yes. thing, to, to its function in reality. Okay. Yeah. Um, and so oftentimes theogenies are beside it. Whereas as Josh is expressing, oh, no, there's no theogeny. There's just God. It's... It's God creating water, light, land. It's just earth. Just a bunch of dirt. Well, he just organizes the function yeah. of reality. Yeah. Um, and then you've got Ra. So he creates this celestial being. Um, and then you've got him creating uh, the animals and then the idols of the gods. The Ushabtis. Mm. On the last day. The last creation event. Um, and so that's interesting. There's a correlation there on the last, the last act of creation is these idols of the gods. And then the, what we talked about before with right. the image of God being the word idol. Right. Again, idols, one mm-hmm. of those words that's been abused to the point where it's yeah. almost not useful anymore. Right. Yeah. Like we need to find another word. Yeah. Representation is the word I use in my paper. Mm-hmm. Cause well, yeah. it's not reflection. Yeah. Reflection is yeah. good yeah. too. Yeah. And oh, carry on. Sorry. Oh, did you have more to say on the uh, images? No, it's just in the in the previous podcast we went over like how there's some of this is there's just cosmic temple stuff, mm-hmm. and majority of this, if you've listened yeah. to the previous episode, can eat, can obviously tie in to the cosmic temple ideas. Yeah. Um, I just wanted to reference that. Yeah. for those who have listened to it previously, there's a there's a lot of connections here. Yes, um, but what's interesting with I'll say the last part. Um, so Ptah rests, and then after he rests, because it's so he's so tired from creating, um, 
he weeps because what he loves is so beautiful, a, a connection to the Genesis story. Um, he, he says it's good. He's like, wow, this is amazing what, what just happened. And then he cries, and then the tears mix with the dirt, and humans pop up. like of, On an accident, kind of. Yeah. Like yeah. And he's like, oh, like <laughs> he's like shocked by it. And then he's like, oh, we got to do something. And so the Egyptian pantheon organizes the world like, like, oh, we got to take care of these guys. Like they're, they're, they're like us, but they're not, they're, they're weak, but we should, we should, we should show them how to be. Whereas in the Enuma Elish, they're slaves. Um, but what's interesting about the, the, like the meta polemics here is like, this is reactionary. The gods are creating, the god is creating everything he needs when a pro, like he just pops into existence and then like. And then reacts against the things around him. Yeah. The, the, the problems he's having, the needs he a pro- has. A problem comes up, he solves it. Yeah. Whereas God is different. Oh, the intention is huge. The intention he shows up. up. In, in Genesis 1. Yeah, yeah. He shows up and he has a plan. Like, let us make this dividing the separations with purpose um and then yeah so and then you get the enuma lish yeah genesis 2 genesis but that's 2, another day which yeah. is our which is our next episode um mm-hmm. i think we're going to do we're going to talk about genesis 2 and then genesis 3 in a separate um because i think that, that would be probably wise yeah um yeah thanks for listening to uh to all that um I know there's there's tons of theology in there. There's tons of debate to have in there, and we just did some light discussions on this. After all, yep. we are just trying to encourage discussion and dialogue yep. within the church, and this is stuff that I love and live for. Absolutely. Any uh, general overviews of Genesis one? Important things to take away. Um, I th- uh, I want to be careful with what I'm about to say. Um, You're whether be a heretic either way. Yeah, whether or not. The material is the point of the text. The function and the thematic truth, the theological truths being presented are like, they're either equal or the theological point is above. So like either way, whether we agree on how old the earth is or uh, the like, did did God God create create the world literally this way? Did God create chaos? Yeah, Yeah. it's what is God saying about the nature of like our relationship with him, each other, the world. Um, And those things, even though the creation of the world matters, those things I think should take precedent in how, what we take from Genesis on like how, like as a church, what are we going to do with Genesis? I a hundred percent agree. Yeah. Um, Well, I mean, it's a setup for practical theology, right? Yeah. This is the backdrop. Yeah. Yeah. Because, like, yep. if we're made in the image of God individually and corporately, yeah, um, then we have to treat each other like we are. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Also, it defines the purpose and function of how humans should live. Yeah. Well, it's, it's also like this Genesis 1 is, a, Genesis 1, 2 to, 2 to 4, is the assault on any Gnostic thought. Oh, yes. creation is good. Right. It is designed yeah. by God. It has a function, and it is good, good, good. And human human people mm-hmm. in physical flesh is very good. Mm-hmm. There is no spiritual escape to some ethereal plane. This is a good thing. Yep. Um, people are not accidents. 
Yeah, as with the Egyptian account. Now, I would also argue one of the big purpose purposes, one of the big things you can take out of Genesis 1 specifically is what does it mean to be human? What is the purpose of life? Well, this gives an idea of like, oh, yours is intrinsically tied to God and who he is and what he represents. Yeah. yeah. Well, I think... And, and your role in creation because of that. We went over we went over this in the previous episode too. Um, Genesis, the, the first creation account definitely goes over God's relation to the cosmos as a whole, how the whole picture fits together. And then I think Genesis 2 and 3 reflects more on God's interaction with humanity. Yeah. And so I'm excited yep. to get into that for next episode. Mm-hmm. Hopefully, um, all you listeners can be there for the next episode. Um, and it will hopefully go as smooth as this one. I think it went pretty smooth. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week. 